Well, thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here today. I want to say, first of all, a word to the residents. You're here, and this is your home, and you're privileged to be here. I, I thank God that you have found a place here in this home where you feel at home and where you have the compassions of many people. I've visited a lot of nursing homes in town over the years, and it's my opinion that this is the very best in town. So you're in a good place, and you're at the hands, in the hands of compassionate people, men and women who love God and who love you, and who will show that. You may not think it at times, but they're for you, and they will do you good. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good, and they will. I praise God for you residents who live here. And uh, if I were in a nursing home, and I may be shortly, tomorrow, who knows, this is where I would want to be. I don't think I could get in. There's a long list waiting to get here, but this would be the place I would rather be if I had my choice. So you're in good hands. Thank you for being here. And to these young ladies and these young men, I want to say... I'm so happy and grateful that you've chosen to invest at least a year, maybe eight, like Travis. And you've invested a year at least in the services, your services here at this home. You've come from various states throughout our nation, and you're here to serve Jesus. And you're here to give your compassion, your love, your agility, your hands, your feet your voice, your comfort to these men and women who call themselves residents of this home. And you're doing a great job. And without this, without you here, this place could not be. Literally could not exist without your presence here in this home. So you're vital. You're number one, along with the administration. We're grateful that you came to offer your services to Jesus here. Jesus said, as you know well, inasmuch you've done it to the one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so when you serve others, you're serving Christ. And he will reward you according to your faithfulness. Thank you for coming and being here. And uh, you may stay a year, you may stay more. Uh, I had one son who moved off single, moved off to Tennessee, to Mount Juliet or Nashville over there. Married a Tennessee girl. I seldom ever see him again. He's over there. He has two daughters now who are in Union University starting this next week. But uh, at any rate, uh, he's going to Tennessee, and there may be good things in store over there for you, Trevor. So be alert. Be with it. Look sharp. God has, he has his plan to unfold, and you may be over there uh, seeing all those. Well, never mind. You know what I mean. <laughs> So it's great to be here. Take your Bible, if you will, please, and turn with me to the first book of Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to read this passage. It has a couple of words in it that I'd like to stress today. My sermon topic this morning comes in the form of a question. And the question is... 
What do you want more than anything else in the world? What do you want more than anything else in the world? If you have found that book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, I'm reading from the King James Version. Your version may be slightly different the way it's worded, but it means the same. And uh, as I read this word, and you follow along with me, this is a passage that's well known for speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He came first in Bethlehem. The incarnation, when He came into flesh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's coming again. He's promised so many times in the New Testament. And in this book of Thessalonians, there was a problem that existed, and here's, here's what it was. In chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, verse 13, it reads like this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, or uninformed, concerning them which are asleep, that is, those who've died, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, and some translations put that, since we believe, we know we believe, and since we do believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, Comfort one another with these words. What do you want more than anything else in this world? Well, you may say, I need some possession. I would like a new pickup. I need a new F-150 or a Ram or something like that. You may have your eyes on some four wheels that you look forward to having in the future. Or... You may be wishing that that relationship you have, that special relationship, develops into something concrete, something that leads to future happiness. You may, you may be praying that that special relationship will develop, mature, and bring forth fruit, as it were. Or you may want to travel to some faraway spot in the world like Buenos Aires, or Copenhagen, or Timbuktu, or Possum Trot, or someplace like that around the world you may want to go. Whatever your ambition is, I want to ask you what you want more than anything else in the world. Well, here's what I want. I want the knowledge and the assurance that I'm going to live with God forever. That's what I want. And as Leonard spoke about home, 
we're all on our way to our real home. That's what I want, to dwell, be with God forever. The knowledge and assurance that I'm His, that throughout all eternity, which never ends, I will be praising God for Him dying for my sins and making me one of His children through faith. Well, what, uh, this, assur- this assurance, knowing this, brings me great comfort and great gain. And it, no matter what circumstance I may find myself in life, no matter what I may be going through, this is in the back of my mind that I one day will be with God is the greatest assurance that I can possess. What are you rejoicing in today? Well, I suggest you should be rejoicing in the fact that you know Him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, I won't uh, read it out loud, but I'll just quote you what it says. Jesus is talking to some disciples, and they were saying that they were happy that they were able to cast out spirits. And Jesus didn't deny this, but He said, Don't rejoice today so much that you can cast out spirits, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the reason Jesus said they ought to rejoice. And in the book of Jeremiah, if you want to turn to that, Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 are some words that bring us comfort and assurance. Verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Isn't that great? If you want to rejoice today, and you do, Rejoice that you know Him. It doesn't get any better than that. Rejoice. This passage I read you from Thessalonians a while ago uh, was dealing with a problem that some of those people in the church at Thessalonica faced. Some of their loved ones had died and gone on. And they were wondering, Jesus kept talking about coming back again. They said, if you come back... Where will those people be? They will be gone. They will be missing in action. We don't know about them. And Paul wrote to assure them that they would not be left behind, that they would not be neglected, that they would not miss out on anything. In fact, they would go first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the assurance Paul gave them. Now my message this morning then concerns these two little words in the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And hear the words, And so shall we ever be, so shall we ever be, with the Lord. So shall we be, we shall be with the Lord forever. 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 My first point is this to ever be with the Lord makes the problems and the troubles that we have on earth seem as nothing 
compared to this glorious prospect. Whatever you're going through, the problems you'll face on earth will seem as nothing compared to the glorious prospect this promises. Now, in life we do have problems. I don't deny that. That's a given. We know we're going to have problems. We, we suffer. We see suffering every day. We ourselves will be a part of suffering sometimes. Billy Graham had one aspiration that I don't have. He said, if someone asked him, do you regret not doing something in life, not having something in life? He said, I regret that I didn't suffer more. Well, I don't pray that prayer. I suffer enough as is, but uh, suffering is a part of life, and you see it every day, and you're here to alleviate that suffering, and you do by your good work and your help and your comfort and your your uh, work with uh, the people here in this home, you bring comfort to others. You will bring it today and every day you're here. So God bless you for being here. May your tribe increase. Well, we have disappointments in life. If you haven't been disappointed in life, you haven't really lived very long. Just live a little longer. You'll find disappointments will come to one and all of us. Or hardships. You'll face some hardship you didn't think you could handle or hack, but you can with the Lord's help. Or uncertainties. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to us one way or another. Paul said, I don't know what's going to fall out, but I know this. I'll go bound in the Spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing what shall befall me there, but the Lord has something in mind for us, for me, for you. And keep in mind, too, that troubles... Whatever they are, are temporary. They may seem like a long time, but they won't last that long. Whatever you have worried about today, tomorrow or next week you'll forget, and it won't be, seem like much at all. Problems are temporary. Someone has said, behind every cloud is a silver lining. We've seen that. And after the rain, which came this morning at 6 o'clock or 6.30, the sunshine is out. It'll peek through, it'll burn through and things will seem brighter. So there's sunshine after the rain. Whatever you're going through today, you may think it's the world's worst, and it may be bad, but it'll pass. These things will pass, whatever it is. Sometimes you try to figure out what you worried about yesterday, and you forgot. Well, amen to that. Well, whatever troubles you have, we know this, that they, they can't compare which what, with what's going to be. They can't compare with that home that we're going to inherit. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 18. Romans 8, 18. Here's a good verse to, to remember. Romans 8, 18. It says, For I reckon, this is Paul speaking, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9. You have it? It says in my Bible, But as it is written, I, that is your eye, hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Turn to Rome, turn to 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 
2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Those scriptures and others like them confirm the fact that whatever we're going through is as nothing compared to what shall be. The second point that I have this morning for you is to ever be away from the presence of the Lord is a destiny too horrible to contemplate. To miss out, to not be with the Lord, to be away from Him forever is a destiny we don't even want to think about. That's too horrible to contemplate. We sometimes say that we missed out on something, that we missed out on some experience that somebody else had. We missed out on some advantage. We missed out on some bargain. We missed out on some deal. We missed out on something that others had, but we didn't. Well, that's one thing in life. You, you are going to miss out on some things maybe. But this, to know that you miss living with God forever is, would be the ultimate loss. Would be the maximum loss. Would be the biggest blunder anyone can make to fail to secure his, his presence with God throughout all eternity. What would it mean to lose heaven? What would it mean to never see God or never be with Him forever? Well, it would mean to be banished from His presence forever. Oh, I think some of the saddest words in the New Testament are found when Jesus has to say to some on that judgment day, Depart from me. I never knew you. To have the Lord have to give that word to a group of people who never knew him would be the saddest word you could hear. It would be a tragedy without parallel. It would be a, the mother load of all losses. And to have to go to that place of perdition would be to face an indescribable, the indescribable horrors of an everlasting destruction. Jesus said in Matthew 9, or Mark 9 rather, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Hell defies description. To even think about it casts us into sorrow and makes us shudder. To think of what a place like hell would be. And God didn't make it for people to go there. He made it for the devil and his angels. But those who reject Christ and who have no need of him are bound for that place by their own choice. They go there because they will not come to Him that they might have eternal life. It describes description. It's described as a place of outer darkness. A few years ago, I went to one of these caves down here, between here and Marshall, and the guide took us back into the cave a mile or so back in the mountain. And we got back there at the dead end, sort of, and she said, I'm going to turn off the light for a minute. And just my friend and I were there, and she was the guide, and she turned off the light, and you talk about blackness, darkness. You could not, well, darkness. And I said, what if she played a dirty trick on us and never turned the light on again? What if she ran out the front door and left me stay? <laughs> I imagined all kinds of things in that darkness, you know. But to be cast into outer darkness 
is a, a horrible fate that no man wants to, fate, wants to face. It's a place of weeping, a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place where there's only wicked company and vile conduct on every side. Oh, I know some people make light of hell. They say, oh, it's just going to be one big party. All my friends will be down there. We're just going to open up a keg, have a, have a blast, have a party. But my friends, according to Jesus, hell is no joke. Hell is reality. Hell is the fate that waits those who reject Him and who have no use for Him. And you know, if you look through the Scriptures and compare time for time, Jesus spent more time warning people to flee the wrath of hell than He did telling about the joys of heaven. Hell is an awful place. Not a place anyone wants to go. Hell is an awful, awful place. And it's to abandon all hope forever. I believe it was a paradise lost, wasn't it? That when someone was going down to the hell, the road sign said, abandon all hope of ever coming back. And that's what it is. Abandon all hope. Several years ago, there was a Russian submarine that lost power and went down in the Arctic Sea, down on the floorboard of the earth, the floor of the, earth, or the ocean. It rested there. And they tapped a message to the people above. Is there hope of rescue? Is there hope? Is there any hope at all? And the word came back to them. No hope. They all died of suffocation in just a few hours because there was no way to rescue them. The astronauts in the spaceship called Challenger blasted off from Florida or someplace down there. And after it had gone just a few seconds, a problem developed. You saw the steam of the leak around the seals of the rings in the rocket. And it knew it was a bad omen. It was going to blow up. And, just, and so they wired this uh, spaceship and said, you have just one minute left. And the ship is going to go. You have no hope. One minute to go. And they had no hope. Oh, I beg you this morning, my friends, don't gamble on your destiny. Don't gamble on your eternal destiny. Seek Him today. The Bible says in Corinthians, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And Hebrews says, Hebrews says, Today, if you hear His voice, Today, do you hear His voice? Harden not your heart, as they did in the provocation. And Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found, and call upon Him while He is near. Today, if you've not found Him as your Lord and Savior, today you can seek His face. You have your bearing, your ability. Your mind is with you. You can seek Him. We don't know about tomorrow. Proverbs says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So to ever be away from the presence of the Lord is a fate, a destiny too horrible to contemplate. The last point. The last point is to ever be with the Lord is a prospect too wonderful to fully grasp. 
We can't even know we think about home and what's going to be there. No pain, as Derek said. No suffering. All those things. We know it's too wonderful to really grasp. It can't really dawn on us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I say to myself, can, can this really be? It's so good. Can this really be? Yes, according to the Word of God, it can really be. And it is true. Think of your future home. Matthew says some words that we all hope we hear when we enter the presence of God. I hope you have this ambition as do, as do I. I hope you hear the Savior say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter now into the joys of thy Lord. Think of what's going to be there. You're going to have your loved ones. Your loved one who's gone before. I'm looking forward to seeing. The first one I want to see is my wife that died 25 years ago. I want to see her. First of all, I want to see Jesus. Then I want to see my wife. And then come mom and dad and others. But that's, that's what I want to see. We'll see the apostles. We'll see the patriarchs of the Old Testament. We'll see those characters in the Bible that we read about. Daniel and Mephibosheth. Have you been looking for him lately? Well, he's there. I hope he's there. And you'll see all these people that you aspire to seeing in heaven. Loved ones and saints. But most of all, you'll see Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses, I want you to turn to it is in, in John, in the, the prayer of Jesus, it's called the, the, uh, his, pa- his pastoral prayer, His high priestly prayer. John 17. John 17, verse 24. This is a verse that's very conce- con- con- revealing to me and very good to read. John chapter 17, Jesus was praying to the Father, And he said, Father, that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. The prayer that Jesus prayed to his Father, Father, that those you've given me through the years, through the centuries, be with me. And you're some of those that God has given to Jesus. And He wants you to be with Him forever. Think of what's going to be there. Joy is unending. No. And think of what won't be there. There won't be pain. The Bible says in Revelation, for the former things have passed away. There shall be no more pain, no sorrow, no tears, no death. You look around for a graveyard like Maplewood, it won't be there. There'll be no grave, not even one little grave in, in heaven because that's a thing of the past. He's overcome death in the grave. There'll be no sin. We live in the midst of sin today. We're a part of a flawed world. We live where there's horrible things existing and going on day and night. But in heaven, no sin, no sorrow, no discord. I like uh, Homer's sign up here in his yard. Let strife cease. Let strife cease. Well, that's no strife in heaven. No strife. It will cease forever. No farewells. You hate to say goodbye. 
we're going to miss you, Travis. Uh, <laughs> I don't make a lot of that. I know what it is to leave home. I know what it is for parents to suffer when a child leaves home. I know that too. But I know that uh, all things are good and life unfolds. It has many blessings. And many of them come with a little sorrow at first, but they pan out to be good, believe me. So on with the show. On with the plan that God has for you. No more farewells in heaven. You won't have to say goodbye anybody ever again. Think of how long heaven will be. We're talking lengthy. We're talking everlasting. As long as God lives, we shall live. Ever, you know what everlasting means? It means never ending. I can't conceive of that. I can't fathom that. We have a beginning. We have an end. Everything does. But not with eternity. Eternity is forever. I like to put it like this. And I've used this before. But um, you've heard of the world book encyclopedias. Well, if you took the, uh, the, the uh, volume M in the World Book Encyclopedia, you would find, at least in my edition, you would find this, these words written, talking about how small matters, matters are, how small atoms and molecules are. It says this, if you, count, if you counted all the molecules, and a molecule is just a little bunch of atoms, together. If you counted all the molecules in a single drop of water at the rate of 10 million per second, it would take 5 million years to count them all. Now I can, I can, I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but I cannot imagine being so small. An atom is a little bitty thing. You cut it in half, I can see that. You split the atom, maybe. Maybe you died in fourths, eighths, sixteenths, thirty seconds, sixty Maybe you divide it like that. But to take five million years to count them at the rate of ten million a second? No way, Jose. I don't know how you could do that. I do not. But think, and think of how much water there is in the world. There are, what, five oceans, 26 seas. One place in the ocean is seven miles deep over there near Japan, some one of those gulches, you know, seven miles down. Water, 70% covers the earth and with water. You think of all the water, all the drops in the in water in the world, Crooked Creek and Buffalo River and White River and Mississippi and Amazon and the Nile and so forth. You think of all that water collected and all the molecules in all that water, yet that would not be as long as eternity. If each molecule could represent a million years, it would not be as long as being away from God would be. If all those molecules could represent a million years, that would not be as long as eternity with God would be. I'm talking eternity as long, never-ending Away from God, it never ends. With God, it never ends. Never ends. And I'm asking you this question in closing. Do you, do you have the assurance that you're going to be with God forever? Do you have that hope within you? Is that the hope within your chest? Well, this is so. Rejoice. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But if not, if you're still searching... I urge you to seek Him today. 
Today you have that opportunity. Today you can find him. Today he says, seek me with all your heart and you'll find me. But you do not know you'll have opportunity tomorrow. And the last verse I quote this morning is Isaiah 45, 22. It says, look unto me and be saved, for I'm God and there's none else.